Welcome to Faith and Good Counsel, a show to uplift and inspire women and our families, where we tell you not our truth, but the truth with the sweetness of the feminine, where we talk about ways to live a virtuous life and all of the things that affect us as women in our vocation in whatever state of life we may be in. I'm your host, Stacey Galino, and I'm here today with my co-host, Erin Berryhill-Franco. Good afternoon, Erin. Hi, Stacy. So, How are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing wonderful. And yourself? Uh, doing wonderful. Just um, you know, Growing. three weeks away now. Three weeks away from oh, baby coming. How How are you feeling? Give us a baby uh, baby update. All right, baby update. Um, I'm feeling good. I really can't complain. Just kind of probably what every pregnant woman in the history of the world feels like three weeks before she's supposed to have her baby. But yeah. I'm good. A few I'm eggs. A good husband. Oh, you do. You you have got Michael, who is a St. Joseph without a doubt. And I know he's taking excellent <laughs> care of you and that new little pumpkin that's coming soon. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So <laughs> very good. So what's what's new with you? Oh, with me. Wow. Well, uh, I've been nesting like crazy. <laughs> uh, lots of organizing around my house. There's no cupboard or, ki- or closet or drawer in the kitchen that has not been raided. Oh, wow. And- well, Goodwill has gotten lots of things from me and lots of email blasts to friends. Do you want this old bouncer? <laughs> Do oh, you want Doesn't yeah, it feel good um, to kind of get cleaned out though, refreshed? Good, yeah. It feels great. And sometimes, you know, I love these stores that, you know, the containing, the container store and these v- different stores, but you got to own a bunch of stuff to put in the stuff, you know, and you just don't want to have to organize the stuff and go through the stuff and pick up the stuff and clean the stuff. I just assume not have the stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, it's just to me, it, I really am. I'm, I'm really on more of a simplification kick because it's like, how many towels do you need? How many sets of silverware? You know, it's, it's right. really just, what do you need? And, um, you know, just decluttering and sure. decluttering my soul at the same time. Oh, amen. Amen. And I've learned in a lot of my travels and just over the course of my life that we have an overabundance that we don't even realize. And so you're hitting on something that life, sometimes we make it more complicated and sometimes stuff adds to that complication and just get rid of it. Give it to someone that can use it, that needs it. And so I think that's so, so beautiful. And you had mentioned to me too, that um, I want to check in about this too. And then I want us to go to prayer, but I'm, I'm really intrigued. I know that you love um, St. Uh, Jose Maria Escriva and you've done mm-hmm. something new or going, going a little deeper with his, um, I don't know if you, would you call it a confraternity or an organization? Um, Opus Dei. Tell us about that. Oh, I did. I did. I'm that'd be happy to. Um, so I, I basically, I joined Opus Dei as a cooperator and it's, um, it, it's really not, I hope I do it justice. It's, it's really just more of a formal joining it because you, you want to support, they call it the work, the work of the work of really helping souls in practical ways to grow close to God and to make their everyday lives holy and sanctify it and find meaning and purpose. And, um, so it's kind of just a formal way of saying, I go to all of their things, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 which I do. And I really am seeking, um, just that practical formation for my life and, um, with a spiritual director and with just the other people in it who are helping me just learn practical ways, um, of growing in my faith. I think the last they have uh, like a monthly circle that mm-hmm. I can go to. And the last one was about just preparing for the Eucharist wow. before you go to mass. Um, we, they talked about spiritual communion and 
reading the readings and um, just, it was just on the Eucharist and it was stuff that I'd heard a lot of it, but a couple of things were such good refreshers mm-hmm. to me. It really was a formation. I just, just to remind me, this is really what I should be doing before I go and meet our Lord, you know? That's right. Because he is their yeah. body, blood, soul, and divinity under mm-hmm. the appearance of bread, right? In that Holy Eucharist. You know, I've, I've found when I've done some spiritual formation and, and real prayer, and especially going to pr- approaching the Eucharist fresh out of confession, that I could, I, I have, I, I feel like I want to weep when I receive our Lord in, in the Eucharist. And it should be like that every time, you know, um, it, 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 it just in our humanness, I know it gets in, in the way, but what a beautiful thing that, that you've been able to join this group. And I hope that you'll be able to give us some updates on what you're learning because we need, we need that too. I don't think we have in our area an Opus Dei uh, group, but um, we'll look forward to sharing the wisdom, hopefully that you uh, are receiving the wisdom that you will share with us. But we got a little off track here. I want to go back because we really do need to start with prayer. Um, so would you yes. please, um, Aaron, offer for us the litany of humility? Oh, absolutely. This is such a favorite. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart. Hear, hear me. me. From the desire of being esteemed, from the desire of being loved, from the desire of being extolled, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved. Deliver me, me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, from the fear of being calumniated, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, from the fear of being suspected. Deliver Deliver me, me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, Jesus grant, grant me the, me grace, the grace to, to desire, desire it. it. Amen. Amen. And our, our Lady of Good Counsel, pray, pray for us. You know, I was just thinking as we were praying this beautiful, beautiful prayer, um, I thought it was time to bring it back, how countercultural that it really is. And we Mm -hmm. definitely need the graces of our Lord to desire these things. They go against our concupiscence, our sinful nature. And um, I have great peace when when I pray this prayer. And sometimes I need to hear certain parts of the prayer more than others, and in particular, um, you know, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of suffering rebuke, from the fear of being calumniated uh, of late, that's been one that's been on my heart. And in fact, what I wanted to talk about today um, is certainly we're going to talk about the tongue and our mouths and calumniation and gossip and detraction. And so mm. Pope Francis has been speaking on that. Before we do that, I want to let everyone know, though, I'm so, so excited. I know you are too, Aaron. about our guest today is going to be Kitty Cleveland, music minister and speaker. Oh, 
I know, and she's, um, I, I know that she would probably love to join in this conversation with us and it would totally get it. Um, her, um, she's got a, had a divine mercy miracle in her family. And she recently appeared at the national shrine of divine mercy on divine mercy Sunday. So cannot wait to hear about that. But let me tell mm-hmm. you about Pope Francis. Now, this is the third time since he has um, become Pope that he has warned us to not to speak ill of others. And he's mentioned the devil um, in relation to that in his homilies. And listen to this um, particular um, uh, part here about Stephen. He was referring to the text where Stephen was stoned to death as a result of Mm -hmm. false witness. His enemies chose the path of calumny. And he says, quote, We are all sinners, all of us. We all commit sins, but calumny is something else. It is, of course, a sin too, but it is something more. Calumny aims to destroy the work of God, and it comes from a very evil thing. It is born of hatred, and hate is the work of Satan. Calumny destroys the work of God in people, in their souls. Calumny uses lies to get ahead. And let us be in no doubt, where there's calumny, there is Satan himself. I mean, this is profound. He's talking about talk, saying falsehoods against other people. So I thought, if he thinks this is important, perhaps we should take a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? He's so spot on. I just, everything, I've been trying to um, read the papal audiences every Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and some of his homilies from feast days and that kind of thing. And he is just so spot on. I want to write a blog post about every, about, <laughs> in the midst of your, your, your two babies and, and about to deliver another one and nesting and so forth. I don't know how you have time, but we well, love your blog post. <laughs> well, if the Holy Spirit wants me to write something, he's pretty, I, he helps me find the time, I guess, but <laughs> he is, he is yeah. quite awesome that way. Isn't he awesome? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you know, he laid it on my heart today to talk about the tongue and our mouths and the sins that we commit when we use that gift inappropriately. I mean, words are so, so powerful. They have meaning languages and shades of meaning in words, but when we, it's, it's, they mean something. And when we use them in a way that harms another person, that is a sin. In case you didn't know that I'm telling you today. So now you can't say you didn't know that we can either lift people up with our words or we can tear them down literally break hearts. I mean, have you ever had your heart broken by words? Mm, I don't know. know. I've been very, very hurt by words for sure. Me too. Me too. Maybe, you know, if you haven't yet, Aaron, I hate to tell you one day you might (laughs) because it's just part of the human experience. I know that I certainly have. And you, you do learn as you grow more in your faith and in your spirituality and in humility, the words hurt you less. But we don't want to be the cause of that, do we? You know, it's rooted when we when we gossip, calumniate, detract. I'll tell you about that in a second. It's really rooted in pride and envy. And, and how we speak and what we speak, the words that we say, tell something about us. It tells about our underlying thoughts and our opinions and our weaknesses, perhaps, you know. And so let, maybe we should talk a little bit about calumny and gossip and detraction since, you know, Pope Francis is telling us our words— our, of our mouth can truly injure others as well as endanger our own immortal soul. That gets my attention. Okay. So let's just a couple of definitions. Calumny, that's intentionally uttering falsehoods, which injures someone's character or their good name. 
It's a lie from the get-go. And Pope Francis, we just heard from him on what he thinks about calumny. Gossip is a little bit different. Idle talk, usually about others spreading rumors or confidentially shared information. It's just worthless, useless conversation. It may or may not have an evil intention, but it still causes damage to others and to ourselves. I mean, think about it, the, the possibility if you know someone is sitting right now and talking about you. It hurts your feelings. It's very uncomfortable. Detraction, on, it's similar to gossip, but it's the telling or writing of a truth. Okay, it's, it's not just idle conversation, but it's a truth that will lead to injuring someone's character or reputation. You know, just because we know we're truth about someone doesn't mean we have the right to share the truth. And we have to ask ourselves. I ask myself this often because in the, the business that I'm in, I have to talk a lot and I know a lot of things. And does the person that I'm about to speak to have the right to know this information or have a need to know this information? So yeah. it, it's something we all struggle with. Women at times, maybe we're more at risk because we simply talk more substantially than, than men do in a day's time by our nature. So there's more opportunity, so, you know, sometimes yeah. we're, we're unaware. Our culture encourages us to gossip. I mean, you can't turn on the TV without seeing that. Some of us are doing it out of woundedness, maybe a need to be noticed or feel superior to someone else way down deep being the first one with the big news. And some of us are truly trying to curb our tongue and speak only as the Lord asked us to. Maybe, maybe we're struggling with where's the line between gossip and detraction in our daily lives in the workplace, you know, we're, we're struggling with that. So, um, you know, what are some of the ways that you employ Aaron to avoid sins of the mouth? You know, I, um, I was, I read a blog a while back that had this great, just this great little test on it that I actually have had on my fridge for like three years now. And, um, the test is, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Wow. Real simple. <laughs> is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? I love that. I need one of those. Is that a magnet yeah. you have? <laughs> so well, yeah. listen what scripture tells us. If This is James 1, 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this man's religion is in vain. Wow. I mean, that's something to ponder. And in fact, there's so many scriptures. I did a, a word study today on mouth and uh, tongue, and there were literally hundreds. And, you know, we're actually going to have to continue this conversation uh, after the break. So we'll see you back in just a few moments on Faith and Good Counsel. At Our Lady of Mercy Catholic School, our first and foremost goal is to get our students to heaven. Mercy students develop virtue and character as they grow academically. Our second pillar is partnership with parents, the primary educators of children. Through regular communication, we build strong relationships with parents and work with them to serve their children. The third mark is recognizing that each child has been created by God with unique gifts and talents. With individualized instruction and personalized learning, each child is empowered to reach his or her potential inside and outside the classroom. Visit olomschool.org to learn more about what we offer at Our Lady of Mercy Catholic School. Greg A. Kennedy is today's sponsor of the day and supports Catholic programming on Catholic Community Radio. Greg A. Kennedy, CPA, 225-292-5112. Support for Catholic Community Radio comes from the Collision Center at Brian Harris Chevrolet. The Brian Harris Collision Center repairs all makes and models of cars and trucks. The Brian Harris Chevrolet Collision Services on Florida Boulevard.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel. I'm Stacy Galino, your host, and I'm here, of course, with Aaron Franco. How you doing, girlfriend? Lovely. Lovely. We were talking, Aaron, as you know, about our mouths and sins of the mouth and how the Lord wishes for us to use our tongues and our mouth in his service and for sins, frankly, um, sins that harm his heart and harm ourselves and harm his people. And I was doing a scripture search today on just the word tongue and the word mouth, and there were literally hundreds of references. So there's no lack of information. Okay, we just have to go get it. We have to read it. And we were talking about that that quote from from James one twenty six. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this man's religion is in vain. I mean, that is powerful. And there are so many more, right? No, there are. You know, one thing, Stacy, that I was really on my heart to just mention at least we could do a whole show on it. Yes, <laughs> sure. we could. We is, sure could. Um, what we it, it's it's about what we say in effect on Twitter and on Facebook in particular. Um, just other other people who would never say something in a so you know a live social situation sometimes type things out there, and I'm you know I'm tempted too sometimes to to do it, and it, it's um. It's just such, it's a new avenue that the devil uses to tempt us to, to be uncharitable and to, to really break down, break down, um, other people. Right. Our communion with him and, and how our love and charity toward other people without a doubt. And it's, it's kind of insidious, you know, it's, it seems not so bad, but that's the way that it draws us in. That's why it's that temptation. Is it not? And, you know, Mm -hmm. I love what there's not in addition to scripture, the saints. Okay. No lack of information, no lack of admonition An example from the saints. First and foremost, our lady who teaches us so very much, so much by her example of pondering all things in her heart. I know I'm taught so much by her example of silence and her communion with the will of the Lord, you know, within that silence, that's where we hear him. He speaks to us in the silence in the whispers and if we're always surrounding ourselves with noise, always talking ourselves, I know I struggle with this. I'm a talkative person. We can't mm-hmm. hear him and we can't commune with him. And in fact, listen to what St. Faustina says, speaking directly to me, I'm sure. Silence is a sword in the spiritual struggle. A talkative soul will never attain sanctity. The sword of silence will cut off everything that would like to cling to the soul. We are sensitive to words and quickly want to answer back without taking any regard as to whether it's God's will that we should speak. A silent soul is strong. No adversities will harm it if it perseveres in silence. Now, of course, sometimes we do have to speak, but it's that prayerful discernment. And that, I I tell you, that's why I love St. Faustina's diary, the writings of St. John of the Cross, Blessed Mother Teresa. I mean, no lack, right? No lack. So, and we have a very special guest with us today who I know will certainly uh, love the topic that we've been speaking about today and understand. I know she loves St. Faustina very, very much in the Divine Mercy. We have with us today Kitty Cleveland. Welcome, Kitty. Thank you, Stacy. It's great to be with y'all. And of course, also, when you said I, I love the topic of St. Faustina, I'm being the oldest of six girls. I don't know that there was ever a silent moment in our household. (laughs) (laughs) James, the book of James is precious to me and I have much to learn from it. Oh, we will be learning for the rest of our lives. Do you, don't you think? 
Absolutely. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, it's a great gift. I mean, the Lord has made us this way. And I know I was saying to Aaron earlier that, that a li- in, in some way we're a, a bit more at risk for sins of the mouth or sins of the tongue simply because there's more opportunity, right? Because by nature we talk more. Make more opportunity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, may, we can make more opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we digress now. I want to actually get to Kitty. And um, Kitty, introduce yourselves to us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I want to talk to you specifically about the Divine Mercy Miracle in your family. So if you can kind of just take us through that story, because it's profound and beautiful. Well, sure. I grew up in New Orleans, the oldest of Carl and Joey Cleveland's six daughters. And... Um, I've mentioned before that there were four of us in puberty at the same time, so I think my parents have lived their purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, I was a daddy's girl, and um, he wanted all of us to practice law with him and the firm that he founded. And I loved the idea of going out to lunch with my dad every day, and so somehow I ended up in law school, but really had no interest in practicing law. And um, I mean, I just don't think like a lawyer for a number of reasons. Yeah. And so after I um, passed the bar at, at uh, LSU and went on to practice with my dad, I'd been there for about three years and really discerned that I was not meant to be a lawyer. So mm-hmm. that was really obvious to everybody, actually. <laughs> it was really hard for my dad because he wanted me. I was the only one who had gone to law school and it was really his dream, but it wasn't mine. And I had this burning desire to sing oh. um, ever since the conversion in high school to sing for, well, before the conversion, I wanted to be on Broadway and have it be all about me. Yes. And then um, after the high school conversion, I really wanted to sing for the Lord and for his glory. So, and specifically about him. And all these years later, I still hadn't done anything with that desire. So um, I wanted to go back to school leave my law practice and go back to school to get a master's in counseling because I really felt called to do work that was healing and life-giving. And a number of people had asked me if I had ever considered being a therapist. So um, I was going to do that and then start writing, finishing these half-written songs that I had drawers full of little scraps of paper. And the day that I left um, my dad's law practice to register for my first semester was the day the FBI showed up. And that began a really um, very painful chapter in our family history. I was threatened with indictment, and um, I was doing work for a client who was being charged with bribing politicians. And But I didn't know anything about what they were talking about. And I, I was not indicted, but my father was, and for charges that made no sense. Um, they basically, I think, wanted him to perjure himself according to my father, when he relayed what was happening. And he refused to do that to protect himself. And so he ended up being indicted on 17 different counts with charges as severe as those for murder. And, of course, we were terrified. I mean, my dad was our rock. And he was also a Catholic deacon, and the community really rallied around us, our church parish, um, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and Kenner at the time. And... um, the trial started about two years later, and my dad ended up being convicted mm. on seven. On gosh, I think it was eleven of the seventeen counts. He was found guilty. Mm. But during oh. the trial, let me back up just a second. During the trial, I had started reading Saint Faustina's diary, 
And I learned about it from Father Harold Cohen, who has since passed away. Oh, a beloved um, memory, yes. Yes, and he was such a precious priest. And I learned about St. Faustina from him. So I started reading her diary and found it really consoling and so profound. And when they were reading the guilty verdicts against my dad, I was started sobbing in the courtroom. We were totally unprepared. My parents had literally not even talked about the possibility of him being convicted. Like, what are we going to do if you oh. are convicted? Wow. Because he had taken the stand for a whole day. He explained everything. It made total sense. We were sure everybody understood. We went out and celebrated. It was over, this nightmare. And then he was convicted. So mm. I started sobbing in the courtroom. And when I put my face in my hands, all I could see was the divine mercy image of Jesus. Mm. Mm. And it was a true grace in that moment. It was as if it was right in front of me and I was looking at it. Mm. And so I just kept repeating that prayer, Jesus, I trust in you, reading that prayer at the bottom of the image. And this, it was just like I could not figure out how our family was going to make it through the next minute. It was mm. one of literally like one of those out-of-body experiences right. when you hear someone has just died like in a tragic accident mm-hmm. and you're just in shock. Right. And... That was the feeling, and I thought, Jesus, I don't know how we're going to get through the next minute. But I knew he knew, and he could see, and I could trust him. And so I really want to encourage your listeners today that, you know, God loves us so much, but unfortunately, the only way we really grow spiritually, spiritual boot camp, is the cross, is suffering. So we're going to have those times in our lives when... We can't see our way out when life makes no sense, and we have to cling to that hope that Jesus is with us and that he will carry us through it. I really encourage everybody to get the Divine Mercy image in their home, especially for those moments, and just to look at him. I'm like, okay, Jesus, I trust in you. And I remember later in St. Falcina's diary, she wrote, "Um, if God sends such great suffering to a soul— He upholds it with an even greater grace, although we are not aware of it. One act of trust in such moments gives greater glory to God than hours passed in prayer filled with consolations. And so, you know, again, that one act of trust, it's such a beautiful, childlike, trusting prayer, such an incredible gift to the Lord, that act of trust. So anyway, my dad was sent to prison, and he had been in prison for about a year and a half when we lost the appeal. For me, that was the darkest moment, and um, I spent a lot of time in the Adoration Chapel sort of wrestling with God about how a loving God could let this sort of injustice continue. Right. I still had two younger sisters at home. I saw the toll it was taking on my mom, and it was just... It was, there was so much sadness, and there's something about it, you know, it's different from a death, because at least with a death, you move through the stages of grief, and there's a closure. Yeah. When you have something like this, when someone you love is suffering, and it's ongoing, yes, there's, wow. there's just like no relief from it. Right. So I just worked it out with the Lord in the chapel, and kind of came to understand more profoundly the meaning of redemptive suffering. And that God does love us and is with us in those dark places. And um, my dad, ironically, found his greatest peace at that point because he literally surrendered to God's will. 
And it may not mm-hmm. have been his active will that my father was in prison, but it was his, at least his passive will. He was allowing this to happen. And my dad, you know, had always been very successful, had lost a trial in years, had sort of, sort of everybody else's messiah and had, I think I can fairly say, the ego to go with that. <laughs> and <laughs> we completely agree. And my family definitely would agree. Oh. And he was a, a lot of fun, too. Um, but he needed to be humbled. He needed to be purified of his pride so that God mm-hmm. could be really God for him. And when he let go of what his expectation of what he thought his life as a, as a quote, successful lawyer was supposed to look like, then he found tremendous peace. And it was literally like when Jesus talks about, you know, the grace that surpasses all human understanding. And Dad said he felt like he walked around in this grace bubble that protected him from all of the profanity and violence and danger and filth that surrounded mm-hmm. him in prison. So um, I learned a tremendous lesson from him in all of that and ended up writing a song for him called Surrender, which was the very first song I finally finished writing other than my senior class song, which was entirely forgettable. You were just warming up. <laughs> yeah, the foundation. That was the foundation for my very first CD called mm, Surrender. Yes. Um, so, uh, and then I guess it was about six months later, we got word that the U.S. Supreme Court wanted to hear my father's appeal, which statistically was an impossibility. And they, at least at that time, on average, they got over 80,000 applications a year for a criminal hearing, and they took fewer than 60. Mm. So you can imagine our shock, but like hope returned, you know, because he was going to be, I'm sorry, I don't think I said it, but he was sent to prison for 10 years. Out loud. Um, Anyway, so dad, you know, he'd been there two years and almost three months at that point. And then I heard that um, they were going to, his lawyers were going to ask the trial judge to let him come home while we waited for that hearing because it was still several months away. And what this meant was that there was a major issue of constitutional law involved. So it was a matter of process. They were going to ask her to let him come home. But we were not holding our breath because everything had been decided against us Kitty. by this judge up Kitty. to that point. Yeah. We're running up against a break here. We're, we're okay. on the edge of our seats. But can we pick back up right here when we come back after the break? Absolutely. All right. Stick around with us on Faith and Good Counsel. You're listening to Stacey Galino, Aaron Berryhill, Franco with our guest, Kitty Cleveland. We'll be right back. Green Seasons, Landscaping, Lawn Maintenance, and Pest Control. Proud to support Catholic Radio in Southeast Louisiana. Green Seasons is a local Catholic family-owned business. Online at greenseasons.us. Doctors James Bear and Jacob Henderson of Central Dental Care would like to thank Catholic Community Radio for finding truth decay in Central and the Baton Rouge areas. Central Dental Care, 261-6645 or centraldentalcare.com. Masid O'Lind is a locally owned group benefits agency serving Gulf Coast area businesses with services such as major medical, retirement, and supplemental benefits packages. Masid O'Lind is a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Masid O'Lind, 866-237-7723. 
That's 866-237-7723. Online at info at macedolind.com. He who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has life eternal, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood real drink. The man who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Scripture Highlights, brought to you by Greg A. Kennedy, CPA, 225-292-5112. Citizens Bank and Trust is a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Citizens Bank and Trust, online at citizensbankandtrust.com. That's citizensbankandtrust.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel with Stacy Galino, Aaron Barry Hill Franco, and our very, very special guest today, Kitty Cleveland. Welcome back, girls. Hey. Thank you. Hey. So when Kitty, we left off at at, at a point where I was just <laughs> sitting on my seat, and you were talking about the Supreme Court um, agreeing to hear your dad's case, and the family asking the uh, the court to allow him to come home for this process. So let's pick back up there. Great. So the hearing was set between the between Easter Sunday and Divine Mercy Sunday in the year 2000 when, when Faustina was going to be canonized a saint. So when I heard that, even knowing that the trial judge was, was not likely she would grant our request, I'm like, God is big, and he can do anything, and I am going to do a novena. I had never done one in my life. But I was going to do the Divine Mercy Novena with the extra special added intention that my dad would be released from prison and would be with me on the Feast of Divine Mercy to celebrate her canonization. And so the hearing was set for 3 o'clock, Hour of Mercy, and had maybe 30 minutes into it, my sister called. She was crying. I was expecting the worst, and she said, Dad is coming home. Oh. Uh, it's still starting oh. to cry. <laughs> All these years later, it's just that feeling. I'll never forget it. So we were driving to Florida to pick up my dad. And um, anyway, it was just an incredible celebration. And my first CD came in uh, the following week. (laughs) In fact, we had a joint release party, a joint release party for my dad being released from prison and my first CD being released. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. a little tongue-in-cheek there. And then um, his hearing was still about six months later. And we knew he might have to go back, but it was still just such an incredible gift to have him home. Yeah. And then the United States Supreme Court unanimously reversed his convictions, which oh. meant that he did not have to go back to prison. Amen. And, um, yeah. So, are we here? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Continue. Right. So, um, anyway, just an incredible miracle, really, of St. Faustina's intercession. And so a couple of years later, I guess, I released a Divine Mercy CD that has that Divine Mercy testimony on it and also the Divine Mercy chaplet that I sang with the children's choir and a couple of other songs having to do with mercy. But um, yeah, so that's my miracle story in a nutshell. And then that, that really prepared my dad for his death, which was coming in 2006 from cancer at only 63 years old. 
but it really purified him in such an amazing, beautiful way. Um, and I mean, it really purified all of us. I learned so much from that suffering and yeah. I would not be doing what I'm doing now, which is traveling around the country and giving my testimony and giving concerts. I would not be doing that. Right. And so it just be- not happened. Exactly. It was so beautiful because that was one of my my thoughts is, you know, redemptive suffering, uh, the concept of redemptive suffering is so foreign in our culture. And and it's really specific to the Catholic Church. I mean, in fact, the world, you know, doesn't embrace suffering. We're taught to avoid it. And you're just sharing some of your, your insights and understandings. And I'm just curious about, is there something specific that you know that the Lord intended for you to learn from this experience? Well, one was docility to the Holy Spirit, because I had been feeling prompted to do this work for the Lord for years, and just kept burying it under fear. I just, uh. I guess I was afraid of, of not of failing, and um, I guess, I don't think I was afraid of success, who knows, but I, you know, I kept making promises to Him and breaking them. Yes. You know, that, yes, I'll do this for you, Lord, or even just, you know, Let's start small. Let's, how about let's start with prayer in the morning, <laughs> just right. to tune in to what he has to say to me. And yeah. it took me, it really took me being brought to my knees with my family with all of this to learn to trust him. And I started doing a daily holy hour, and then I just fell in love with him. And now I knew how to recognize his voice, you know, when I heard him speaking in the quiet of my heart. So that was probably the biggest thing. I think that's so beautiful. I know you have a very special devotion to Eucharistic adoration. Maybe you could talk with us a little bit about that and get get some people on fire for adoring our Lord in the Adoration Chapel. Well, let me say this. I learned about it from uh, Sister Breeze McKenna, who has the gift of healing, and she wrote a book called Miracles Do Happen. And she spends three hours a day in adoration. And I had an adoration chapel in my parish in Mandeville at the time, and I had never been. So I went, I was going on retreat with her a few weeks after we brought my dad to prison. And when I was, went for the very first time, I was just writing in my journal about everything that had happened to my dad and to our family in the last several months. And while I'm writing, I'm interrupted by this vision. And I saw myself sitting under this oak tree with Jesus on a hill with spring green grass. And he he turned to me and and like kind of turned around and he started carving our initials in the tree, J C plus K C, and then he put a big heart around it. And <laughs> I'm watching this like this is really weird. And and then he says, "Fall in love with me. Oh. I have always loved you, and I want you to love me the way I love you." Mm. And then I heard, um, I say I heard, I, I don't hear voices outside me, though I know some people do, but just it's in my heart, I guess in my intuition, I heard him say, um, you've given part of your life to me, now let me have all of it so that I can live more fully in and through you and you and me. And it's kind of asking for this exchange of heart. And that was a new concept to me. Um, but I just cried and cried and cried. It just was just pierced my heart. And um, so from then on, I started keeping a daily holy hour during that Lent, and I just fell in love with him. That's all I can say is that you have to put in the time, like with any relationship, 
Yeah, because he's Jesus is real. He is alive. Amen. Not just an idea. (laughs) You know, and I think many times we can pray, and we're really just talking to ourselves. Right. And no, he is real, and his Eucharistic presence is the source and the summit of our faith. And Sister Bree said, even if you don't know what to say, just go sit with him, and it's like radiation treatment, and just let him change you and heal you and reveal himself to you. And ask him to reveal himself to you. He will never disappoint. And I can can tell you how he did it for me, but he made you. And he knows exactly what you need from him. All he is waiting is for you to open your heart to him and just to say yes, to give him permission to come to you and to truly be your Lord. So that's what happened for me. And then I'll tell you one, one quick story. I went one night, I had, I had re- in writing, because I had broken my promises to the Lord so many times with all this music, in writing, I promised that I'd keep a daily holy hour for all of Lent in the year 2000. So one night, it was like 11 o'clock, and I went. I was so tired, but that was the earliest I could get there. In fact, I think I had decided I was in bed. <laughs> and I was Aww. like... I just, Lord, I know you understand. I'm just exhausted. <laughs> yes. And my conscience would not leave me alone. And I got dressed, like muttering under my breath, and went to the Adoration Chapel. And I'd been there 50 minutes. And I looked at my watch, and I was like, Lord Jesus, can we just call it an hour, like a 50-minute hour like they do in therapy? Let me just go and go to bed. <laughs> and, and then I just heard again in, in my heart, just open the Bible before you go. And I flip it open to Matthew and go right to, can you not keep one hour with me? Oh. Oh, oh, oh my yeah. gosh. So I just started crying. I was like, oh, my goodness, you really do care. Oh, and he's, he's he really cares. He really cares. And he's really with you at every, every, every moment. And you know, one of the beautiful things, I, I love this. I, I believe I heard Jeanette Bankovic say this, that we image Christ through our gifts and our talents. And, 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 and he's so blessed you, Kitty, with the gift of voice, with also with the gift of, of songwriting. And I'm just thinking about all of your works. If, if How can people get, uh, first of all, get your music? Maybe give them your contact information. Uh, sure. Well, there are a few ways. The easiest way probably is go to my website, which is simply my name, KittyCleveland.com. That's like K-I-T-T-Y. Mm-hmm. Like Hello Kitty and Cleveland, <laughs> like Cleveland, but, Ohio. But way better, <laughs> way better than Hello Kitty. <laughs> I used to say like Miss Kitty on Gunsmoke, and uh, now people are like, what? Uh, so for the younger generation, I get it. Like Hello Kitty. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, so KittyCleveland.com or iTunes has my music. Oh, it's... Um, or Facebook is another way, Kitty Cleveland Music on Facebook. Um, so you can do either digital downloads or just go to the website and you can get CDs that will melt to you. And so, so beautiful. And, and you will be definitely in for a, a treat. And also it's to, to me, it's sung prayer, being a musician myself. I so appreciate your music. Um, and I actually, actually can pray, um, with your music and I, I really, really appreciate it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, Kitty, how, you know, I know people have to say, oh, you're so wonderful. Your music is this and the, the words and the music. How do you stay grounded? How do you stay humble in the midst of all of that, that attention, that love, that, that charity, that love that people are showing you? But how do you, Kitty, stay humble before the Lord and, and remain as a vessel of beauty? Uh, I think because I'm inc- 
repeatedly humiliated. Oh, <laughs> no, oh seriously. No. Like, you know, for example, when I was, at, I went up to the National Shrine of Divine Mercy this past Divine Mercy yes. Sunday and sang for 20,000 people at the Mass, which oh. is my biggest audience by far. And I'm telling you, like, every time I watch the playback of it or I watch, I'm just horrified. And so I just, it really is like poverty of spirit for me. Every time I hear myself sing or I see myself on television, I get nothing from that. So other than, like, I'm horrified. <laughs> so it's really, in a way, a gift. Like, I remember, you know, at my parish in Covington, Louisiana, St. Peter, I really felt the Lord nudging me to sing during the daily Mass, just to lead everyone in song at communion. And I was, I'm telling you, everything in me, I could hear people in my head saying, shut up, would you please oh. just sit down and <laughs> shut up so I can, but I felt this like interior prompting of, I want you to do this for me. And so I like just have to overcome it. And in my head, I'm thinking everybody wants me to shut up. And then someone you know, after Mass said, oh, I can't believe you sing that song. It went right to my heart or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, God be glorified, but that's not what I'm feeling. And so yeah. I get, you know, I know myself. I know what an idiot I can be. I know that I can sing totally off key. And I really, truly recognize that if there is any good that comes from my singing or my speaking, it is only the Lord. And mm-hmm. of myself, I am misery and, um, I really am. And I'm becoming more and more aware of that the older I get, that I truly can do nothing apart from Jesus of any value. And I don't mean that as a false humility. That's just the truth for each one of us. I'm just a creature, and he made me. And if I can do anything good, it's only because of his will and his grace. Amen. And I'm just repeatedly taught that lesson over and over again. Because we all are tempted to pride and to think that we're something special. And, you know, growing up in the large family where we're all competing for attention and like, oh, look at me, I'm wonderful. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. then you have to, that's why God gives us siblings, right? To let us know that we aren't. Um, yes. But, <laughs> but I really, I, yeah, I'm just very, very humbled when I see what God does through broken instruments like myself. Well, I, I, I have seen that humility, um, and in our last moment here, I want to share with people a YouTube video that I, I watched of you several years ago in which someone said something very unkind. I was horrified, and you actually thanked that person for allowing you to be humbled that day. So, And on that, <laughs> on that note, I want to thank you for that beauty of your gift, your humility, your witness, your courage, your strength. And um, we are going to be ending with you this afternoon. And it's been such a pleasure, uh, such a pleasure to have you. I hope you'll come back because we have more to talk about. I'd love to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, God bless you, Kitty. And uh, we'll see you next time. Sounds great. God bless. God bless you. You know, Aaron, what an awesome interview. That was fantastic. And I'm I'm just thinking about, we definitely need to continue to talk about uh, humility, do we not? And specifically specifically with our tongue and all of the areas that we struggle as, as women and men too. Um, I love this quote from St. Francis de Sales. A judicious silence is always better than truth spoken without charity. And we have to chew on that for a little while. And in our last, yeah, in our last moment here, I just want to say, if you are what you should be, you will set the world ablaze. Thank you so much for being with us. Until we meet again, may God bless you and give you peace. Bye-bye.
just as the Father who has life sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so the man who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and died nonetheless, the man who feeds on this bread shall live forever. Scripture Highlights, brought to you by Greg A. Kennedy, CPA, 225-292-5112. Louisiana Right to Life invites you to join us at Bowties for Babies, a Southern-style soiree benefiting life. Join us for food, drinks, dancing, and silent auction, May 21st, starting at 7 p.m. at the Old State Capitol. Tickets are $75 per person and $125 per couple. For more information and to purchase tickets, call 866-463-5433. That's 866-463-5433.